You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, we're reviewing match number 27 of the ICC Cricket World Cup for 2023 between Australia and New Zealand. And what a game of cricket it was. Australia getting over the line by five runs to win four games in a row to get their Cricket World Cup campaign back on track after losing the first two games of the tournament. They've won the last four in a row uh, to make their case for the semifinals. And for New Zealand, another close game for them, another tight loss by the bearers and margins. Um, obviously, New Zealand not quite getting over the line in this game, but they gave it a good a good go, and they fought all the way in the run chase. Um, and also, we saw some standout performances in this game from Travis Head, David Warner, Rachin Ravinder, Jimmy Neesham towards the end. Also, Daryl Mitchell scored a half century. Also, the bowling side of things, we saw some great performances there. So, it's one of the best games of this Cricket World Cup uh, following the game against Pakistan and, and South Africa. So plenty to discuss, plenty to talk about how both Australia and New Zealand went about their business and how they uh, went about things in this game, uh, which decided where the game was won and lost. So there's plenty to talk about in this episode today of the podcast. Let's have a look at the match summary from match number 27 of the ICC Cricket World Cup for 2023 between Australia and New Zealand from the HPCA Stadium. Australia batted first and made 388 all-out from 49.2 overs. Travis Head top scored with 109. And Glenn Phillips and Trent Bolt took three wickets each for New Zealand. New Zealand needed 389 runs to win. They finished on 9 for 383 from their 50 overs. Rachin Ravinda top scored with 116. And Adam Zampa took 3 wickets for Australia. Australia won by 5 runs. And Travis Head was named player of the match. What were the key moments and key factors from match number 27 of the ICC Cricket World Cup for 2023 between Australia and New Zealand? The opening partnership of 175 between David Warner and Travis Head was key for Australia, posting their total of 388 all-out and putting the New Zealand bowlers under pressure in the Australian innings. Glenn Phillips bowling, taking 3 for 37 from his 10 overs and New Zealand bowling in the middle overs to take 9 for 188 between overs 25 to 50 to keep Australia under 400. The innings of Rachin Ravinder of 116, plus the partnerships of 61 for the first wicket between Conway and Young, 96 for the third wicket between Mitchell and Ravinder, and 54 for the fourth wicket between Latham and Ravinder, were key to ensure New Zealand had a chance to chase down 389. Jimmy Neesham's innings of 58 was key for New Zealand if they were going to chase down the target of 389. Australia dismissing Nisham run out in the final over was key to ensure Australia won the game by five runs. And those were the key moments and key factors from match number 27 
of the ICC Cricket World Cup for 2023 between Australia and New Zealand from the HPCA Stadium. Let's talk about how both Australia and New Zealand performed in match number 27 of the ICC Cricket World Cup for 2023 from the HPCA Stadium. Let's talk about Australia and their performance, first of all, with bat and ball. And we'll start with the batting group and talk about how the batters went about things in this match against New Zealand. Warner, 81. Head, 109. Mitchell Marsh, 36. Smith, 18. Labuschagne, 18. Maxwell, 41. And Inglis, 38. And that's how the Australian batters performed in this match against New Zealand. Um... Australia's batting in this game against New Zealand was a, a pretty good performance again. Um, 388 was enough in the end. Um, Australia, the first team in one-day cricket to score uh, scores of 350-plus on three uh, consecutive occasions, obviously against Pakistan, the Netherlands, and now against New Zealand. So it just shows that Australia's batting is starting to click and starting to get rid of the kinks in the... Um, in the batting lineup. Uh, so it was another good batting performance again. It was really set up by David Warner and Travis Head's opening partnership of 175 for the first wicket, uh, which was excellent. Absolutely brilliant striking of the cricket ball from both Warner and Head. Uh, really set the tone and really set New Zealand back in the early overs. Um, you know, Warner and Head put New Zealand's bowlers under pressure and by the end of the first power play, 10 overs completed, Australia were none for 118. And that carried on up until uh, the partnership was broken between Warren and Head, which was 175 in the end, which really set a good platform and foundation for Australia to build on. Um, obviously, David Warner, 81, back-to-back -back centuries against Pakistan and the Netherlands. Uh, another good score here against uh, New Zealand, on track for his third century in a row. Couldn't quite get there, but he batted very well. Travis Head was excellent coming back from the hand injury. It was a bit of a risk for Australia to select him in the squad for this World Cup uh, following the uh, the injury of his hand, which he broke in South Africa. He's come back. It felt like Travis Head never left. He carried on his terrific form, as we've seen from Travis Head over the last few months to a few years. Um, 109 of 67. It was a magnificent innings from Head and and obviously for Australia, good signs that Travis Head has found his feet in this World Cup. And for Travis Head to score his first century in World Cup cricket uh, in his first game uh, was a pretty remarkable achievement. Um, so both Warren and Head were, were pretty good in the batting for Australia. Really set the foundation and platform for them to build on. Um, yet again, after the good start and from Warner and Head, the, the foundation was laid... The middle order for Australia, uh, Mitchell Marsh, Steve Smith, Martis Labuschagne struggled again a little bit um, and uh, sort of really didn't really carry on that momentum that Warner and Head had and New Zealand were able to claw things back in the middle overs a little bit there. Um, obviously, Mitchell Marsh going from opening to number three, obviously, because Travis Head's back in the side now and he's opening. He didn't look comfortable, Mitchell Marsh. He looked a little bit timid, a little bit sort of apprehensive to really play a shot in anger. Um, his innings reflected that. 36 or 51 didn't have any fluency or timing at all. So that's something for Mitchell Marsh to really look at, is to um, you know, just try and play his natural game, even though he's not opening the batting as he has done throughout this whole entire 
uh, World Cup thus far up until Travis Head's return. So for Mitchell Marsh, I think it's, a, it's just a matter of time, just adjusting back down the order to number three. It's a different role to opening. Um, so he sort of thought, you know, at number three, I should bat responsibly. And, and, and that um, sort of is my role. But if, you know, Mitchell Marsh, his role is not to do that. His role is to come out and smack the ball and be aggressive. And that's what he's done so well over the last few months from the Ashes, the ODI series, and the T20 series in South Africa, and what he did against Pakistan when he scored that century in this World Cup. So I think it's a just a bit of a change of mindset for Mitchell Marsh. Um, Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne were bogged down because Mitchell Marsh wasn't scoring boundaries and they had to play a shot and they got out. So I think for Australia's middle overs, it's, it's just being more proactive. They were a little bit lackluster um, in those middle overs. Also, uh, they didn't really take on Glenn Phillips. Glenn Phillips bowled 10 overs, 3 for 37. Now, Glenn Phillips, to be fair, is a part-timer. And usually, when a part-timer comes on, you usually smack them out of the attack. And that makes the opposition captain, in this case, Tom Latham, say, right, okay, my part-timer, Glenn Phillips, is going for runs. I've got to go back to Trent Bolt and Matt Henry, my main strike bowlers, who have also gone for runs. I have nowhere else to turn. And Australia didn't really do that. Um, so they, they needed to be a bit more uh, aggressive, the middle order, in those middle overs. And they just got bogged down a little bit. So I think for Australia going forward is that they need to up the tempo, up the aggressive approach and the positive intent uh, with the middle order in particular. But we didn't see um, the middle order collapse as we've usually done in the past. Yes, they lost their wickets, of course, but... Um, they were able not to to um, to let New Zealand have a bit of a role with the wickets. Um, but in saying that, Glenn Maxwell, Josh Inglis, and Pat Cummins in particular made up for the middle orders lackluster middle overs, and uh, they were brilliant. The partnerships of fifty one seventh wicket between Maxwell and Inglis, and sixty two between Cummins and Inglis for the eighth wicket were very handy, and those two partnerships propelled Australia to that score of 388, where the middle order didn't really quite get that fluency or rhythm at all, uh, which was which was good. Um, Glenn Maxwell, obviously coming off uh, a superb century against the Netherlands. Uh, Josh Inglis is scoring runs um, as the keeper, which is important for Australia. Also, good signs that Pat Cummins is scoring runs as well. 37 of 14 he scored in this match, striking at nearly 265, uh, which was... Uh, a pretty good innings from him. He hit a few sixes, especially off Jimmy Neesham. He hit him for four sixes in that over towards the end of the innings. So, um, good signs that Maxwell Inglis and especially Pat Cummins are scoring runs. So, the middle order really need to pull up their socks a little bit and uh, just, you know, up the tempo and be positive, be a bit more proactive. That's all it needs, really. Uh, but besides from that, it was pretty good. Just one area that Australia need to look at going forward is to bat out the 50 overs. In this game, they got bowled out with four overs left in the last over. Now, obviously, this game was a tight game. Australia just won by five runs. So if they batted the last four balls of the over, um, in the 50th over, that is, then they would have got a score of 390, maybe, three, maybe mid-390s, maybe even 400. You never know but they didn't bat out the four balls. 
the little one percenters, that's the little one percenters that you need to look at in tournaments like a World Cup, you need to really pay attention to. So something that Australia need to look at going forward is to bat out uh, the 50 overs, especially when batting first and especially in the position they were in this match. It's understandable, you know, towards the end, batters were swinging to the hilt. But you also got to be smart and say, right, we need to face the last four balls of the innings because we need to get some runs and maximize that. And they got over the line in a tight game. But what I'm trying to say is that you really need to pay attention to that, the one percenters. So that's something that Australia need to look at going forward. Uh, but besides from that, the batting is starting to click. There's some minor adjustments to be made. The middle order needs to adjust their mindset and their attitude and just be a bit more proactive in the middle overs. The openers, some water and head are, are flying. They're in good touch, good form. And also Maxwell, Inglis, and especially Cummins are, are scoring runs. So that's good for Australia. So things are starting to click for the batting for Australia, uh, which is good to see. Let's talk about the bowling performance by Australia and how they perform the bowlers in this match. Um, Mitchell Marsh, no wickets for him, no wickets for Stark. Two wickets for Cummins and Hazelwood. Three wickets for Zampa and a wicket for Maxwell. That's how the bowlers went about their thing uh, for Australia, their performance. Um, Australia did well to defend 388 on this flat pitch in Dalamashala. It was a very flat pitch, good for batting. But the bowling performance was patchy at times. A little bit inconsistent with their line and length. Didn't execute their skills. Uh, the death bowling was a little bit patchy, but they did enough to get over the line and get the job done. Mitchell Stark was a bit off, didn't quite find his radar, none for 89. The first time in his World Cup cricket career that he hasn't taken a wicket in a match. So Mitchell Stark was a little bit off, but that's understandable. As a bowler, you have days like this, like Mitchell Stark had, where things don't quite work out. You don't take a wicket, your line and length's all over the place, and you just... Uh, struggling for rhythm there. So I think that's what happened to Stark today in this game. Um, he bowled the last over of the match. He conceded five wides down the leg side. Josh Inglis couldn't cut it off. Um, so that was a little bit uh, a little bit poor from him. But he did well. He held his nerve. And he was able to finish off the job for Australia in the last over of the match. And Australia were able to win by five runs. So even though Mitchell Stark had a bad day, in the end... He did enough, hold his nerve to, to get the job done for Australia and win the game where it mattered the most. I thought Pat Cummins was good. Um, his figures don't quite reflect how well he bowled, but I thought Pat Cummins bowled well towards the back end of the run chase. He bowled well, changed up his pace, slower balls, cutters. Um, he bowled some Yorkers at times and, and were very effective. Uh, so that was good from the, from the captain to see him there. Um, doing the job towards the end. Adam Zampa was good again. Three wickets for him. Um, he continues on his excellent runner form. Um, so I thought he bowled well. He he took wickets, and, and that's good to see for Australia. Um, also, Josh Hazelwood was a little bit off tonight. He, he picked up a couple of wickets, Josh, but he was a little bit off his radar, and he'll be hoping to get back to that. Um, so, yeah, so the bowling for Australia was a bit patchy, but they did enough. Uh, to get the job done. And I think it was a good thing from Australia to be tested in this game, to be tested under pressure, to bowl the tough overs. And it was a good, it was good to see them being tested. And it was good to see that they were able to hold their nerve 
and get the job done in the death overs when the game was really tight, when Jimmy Neesham was going off and trying to get New Zealand over the line. So the bowling, a little bit patchy, a little bit of improvement to be made there, uh, a few areas to, to, to improve on. But besides from that, was a pretty good effort to defend 388. Also, before we move on and talk about New Zealand, uh, with Australia, their bowling, their fielding performance was was a little bit patchy as well. Understandable, the outfield in Dalla is not the best, so there were a few fumbles and the ball bounced awkwardly along the outfield because it is a little bit patchy. Um, but I thought a brilliant piece of, of fielding was the, the run-out of Jimmy Neesham. Excellent from Marnus Labashain in the deep. Uh, to pick up the ball and throw it to Josh Inglis, and Josh Inglis did well behind the stumps to execute the run-out of Jimmy Neesham. So I thought that was a pretty good good piece of fielding. But overall for Australia, to win this game the way they did was excellent. A few areas to work on with the batting and bowling, but if they get that right, you know they're going to be a force to be reckoned with going towards the back end of this tournament. Let's talk about New Zealand's performance in this match against Australia with bat and ball and how they went about things. Um, in this game against Australia. We'll start with the batting group. We'll start with the batters and talk about their performance in this match for New Zealand. Conway, 28. Young, 32. Ravinder, 116. Mitchell, 54. Latham, 21. Phillips, 12. Nisham, 58. And that's how the New Zealand batters went about their business in this game um, against Australia. They did well, New Zealand, uh, to, to nearly chase down the runs of 388. Uh, finishing just five runs short on nine for 383. I thought it was a, a fantastic effort from them. And the pitch was pretty good for batting. It was pretty flat. And we saw some very good performances from New Zealand with the bat, in particular with Ravinda scoring his century, and also from Jimmy Neesham towards the end scoring a half century, and also Darrell Mitchell as well scoring a half century, continuing his good form. Um... But Australia's pressure with the ball at times and losing wickets for New Zealand um, at crucial times uh, didn't really help New Zealand in the run chase. And that's why they fell short. Um, I mentioned Ravinder, uh, Rachan Ravinder's innings of 116 was good. Um, he was the key batter for New Zealand in this run chase. And at one stage with him and Daryl Mitchell, who put on a partnership of uh, well over 96 for the third wicket, he fought at that stage that New Zealand were on track. If if uh, Ravinder and Mitchell batted for a, a little bit longer, then New Zealand would have been favourites to chase down the runs. Unfortunately, they got out at the wrong time, and it wasn't to be. But I thought Ravinder's innings, 116, was superb. Uh, a very young, exciting player, and he's definitely going to play for New Zealand for a long time to come. Ursus scored a century against England in the first game of the tournament, won against Australia, uh, playing against Australia for the first time, I believe. So that, that was good for him. Um, Daryl Mitchell, I mentioned, was pretty good. His innings of 54 was good. He's in good touch, in good form. Um, he will be disappointed that he didn't go on with it. Uh, Jimmy Neesham. What can we say about Jimmy Neesham? His innings of 58 was, was excellent, of 39 balls. Unfortunately for him, didn't quite get New Zealand over the line, uh, but he batted well towards the end of the innings in the run chase. He handled that pressure well. Um... It was unfortunate for him to get run out, but he had to come back. He had to run two on that delivery to try and retain the strike. And, and he was the one that had to get New Zealand over the line. But he, he batted well. Um, he, his efforts have gone in vain. 
But um, he's a very good player. And he handled that pressure well. Good shots that he played as well to really put Australia under pressure at that stage of the match. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough to get New Zealand over the line. Um, the partnerships. New Zealand, New Zealand has some good partnerships in their batting. 61 for the first wicket between Conway and Young. 96 for the third wicket between Mitchell and Ravinda. Fourth wicket partnership of 54 between Latham and Ravinda. Uh, we're good partnerships. But I think for New Zealand, if one of those two partnerships went on a bit... Um, and batted deep, I think New Zealand would have been comfortable of chasing down this total of 388. But unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Australia were able to pick up wickets at crucial times, and New Zealand lost wickets at the wrong time. And therefore, they were put back um, on the back foot in the run chase. And um, that's why they didn't quite get over the line. So something that New Zealand need to look at going forward is to extending those good partnerships when they do get established. Um, but apart from that, I thought it was a good effort from the batting from New Zealand. Um, all of them contributed in some way. Uh, they would have liked to go on a, a bit on a very good pitch. But I thought they gave it a good go. And that's what you expect from New Zealand fighters. They are fighters. They give it everything. And we saw that with bat and ball um, in this game. And unfortunately, it wasn't quite enough to get over the line. So they're batting. Uh, they've got some very good batters. They will look at the areas to improve on going into the next game, which is against South Africa, which is going to be a tough game for them. Um, but for New Zealand, their batting group, they'll be disappointed that they weren't able to uh, get over the line with the bat. Um, let's talk about their bowling and how their bowlers performed in this match against Australia. Um, no wickets for Ravinder and for Ferguson. A wicket for Nisham and Henry. Uh, three wickets for Phillips and Bolt. Um, that's how the New Zealand bowlers performed in this match against Australia. Um, it was a bit of a mixed bag with New Zealand's bowling in this match. Uh, didn't quite handle the pressure early on uh, when David Warner and Travis Head were teeing off. Um, that partnership really put the bowlers under pressure for New Zealand. They, they just couldn't really handle that onslaught from Warner and Head um, and didn't quite execute with the ball at all during that period. But Glenn Phillips was the turning point for them in their bowling performance. Three for 37 from his 10 overs. Um, that pretty much helped New Zealand tighten the screws on Australia uh, throughout the middle overs. And uh, they were able to keep Australia under 400 in the end, um, which was which was good. So Phillips led that bit of a change in uh, the bowling tactics for New Zealand. They were able to break the partnership of Warner and Head. They were able to put the middle order of Mitchell Marsh, Smith and Labuschagne under pressure, uh, which was good after the initial onslaught from Warner and Head. But towards the end of the Australian innings, the New Zealand bowlers lost their way a bit. Obviously, when Maxwell Inglis and Cummins teed off, they just sort of lost their way a little bit. And uh, all that good work they did in the middle overs was undone uh, towards the end of the innings, which was a disappointing factor uh, for New Zealand with the ball. Um, so, as I said, it was a bit of a mixed bag. You know, both bowling attacks of this game went for runs. Uh, Bolt wasn't quite at his best. Satner as well. Uh, Henry was was uh, not at his best. Um, obviously, didn't help Lockie Ferguson going down with an injury early on. He only bowled three overs that went for 38. Uh, so Latham 
good thing that he had some options. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag for New Zealand, and it's something that they need to look at. Maybe they got a little bit exposed in this game against Australia. They do come against South Africa for the next game of this World Cup for them, and that's something that they need to look at in terms of uh, batters charging their bowlers and really put, putting them under pressure. We know with South Africa, that's what they're going to do. So it's something that New Zealand need to look at. Obviously, they fought hard against Australia with the ball here, but it's just something that they need to be wary of when they come against South Africa in the next game. Um, also, their fielding was a bit of a mixed bag, New Zealand. You don't really see New Zealand misfield and drop catches. They dropped a few catches in this game. Um, the misfields, uh, the fumbles, that was the same with Australia as well. And as I mentioned earlier, the outfield at Dalla Mashala was a bit patchy. Uh, it's not the best outfield in the world. So, so that's why both teams struggled in the field a bit. Uh, but with New Zealand, they dropped a few catches, which is a bit unlike New Zealand because they're pretty good in the field. Um, so yeah, so overall it was a indifferent bowling performance, but they were able to to stick at it and they were able to um, sort of get the job done. But um, definitely for the bowling group, um, they'll be looking at areas to improve on going forward. But for New Zealand overall in this match, um, they gave it a, a really good go, but unfortunately not quite getting the job done. Let's preview Australia and New Zealand's next matches in this ICC Cricket World Cup for 2023. Talk about both teams, their potential 11s they may select, the challenges that they'll come against their opposition in their next game. Um, so we'll start with Australia. Their next game is against England, and that will be um, on the 4th of November, and that will be at the Narinda Modi Stadium, which is in Ahmedabad. And uh, Australia, you would think, should win that game against England. England have been struggling big time in this World Cup. Not at the races at all, England. Uh, they look flat. They look dejected. Uh, they just want to go home. Uh, bottom of the table. Uh, coming off a, another loss against India by 100 runs. So their World Cup has gone absolutely in the wrong direction. Um, so Australia would be would be hoping to win this game. Obviously, no game's easy, but uh, obviously with England at the moment, uh, who are struggling, you would think Australia start off as favourites in this Ashes battle. Um, so for Australia, uh, they'll be looking to win five in a row and really cement their spot in the top four, and that's the goal in this game against England. So I think for Australia, uh, areas to work on is the batting, middle order, try to be a bit more proactive, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, their bowling, trying to get that right in terms of the deft bowling and the consistency, and just be consistent. Um, if they do that, then they should be all right and should win this game against England. Now, in terms of the 11, the potential 11 they may select, they may make a change. Uh, it depends if Marcus Stoinis is fit or not with that injury. A bit of a calf injury, I think it is. Um, so if he's fit, then probably Marnus Labashain comes in. If Marcus Stoinis isn't fit then probably they'll keep the same 11 and Marnus Labuschagne will retain his spot. So, so the potential 11 for Australia against England could be Warner Head, Mitchell Marsh, Smith, Labuschagne or Stornis, Maxwell Inglis, Cummins, Stark, Samper and Hazelwood. So that's Australia. Uh, let's talk about New Zealand. Their next game is against South Africa. And that will be on, uh, sorry, that will be on November the 1st. And that will be at the MCA Stadium in Pune. And that's going to be a big game. South Africa and New Zealand... 
um, started this tournament off as favourites, uh, the, the informed teams, New Zealand coming off two losses now against India, and now the loss against Australia. So for New Zealand, they really have to try and come back uh, because the other teams who are outside of the top four will be hoping that they do have a chance of making it into the top four. Um, so this game against South Africa for New Zealand is a big test for them. Can they uh, defeat South Africa, who are the informed team in this World Cup along with India? Um, so big test for them. Can they bounce back New Zealand? They'll definitely give it a go. They're fighters. We saw in this game against Australia. Uh, they're capable of achieving good things and great things. Um, so for them, they'll be tested in every department. It's, it's just how they cope under that pressure against South Africa. That's a big game for New Zealand. They've got to win. They've, won, they've lost the last two against India and Australia, as I mentioned. Now, in terms of their potential 11, obviously Lockie Ferguson has a bit of an injury. He picked up an Achilles injury in this game. Um, also, uh, that's going to force a change in their bowling, whether they play Ish Sodi, another spinner, or they bring back Tim Southie, who's um, got that finger injury, but um, he should be available, maybe. It depends. Maybe replace Ferguson for Southie. Uh, a seamer or a pacer um, so it'd be interesting to see what New Zealand do in terms of that but um, you would think also with Kane Williamson on the sidelines as well um, I don't think he'll come back um, with that thumb injury maybe he's going to have another couple of games off maybe um, so for New Zealand they've got to do some juggling around with their 11 but um, they'll probably make a change maybe uh, probably Tim Southie may come in if he's fit that depends if he's fit. If not, they'll probably bring in someone else. I don't know. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. So their potential level against South Africa potentially could be Conway, Young, Ravinder, Mitchell, Latham, Phillips, Nisham, Satner, Henry, Bolton, and Southie. My final thoughts on this match between Australia and New Zealand. Uh, what a game of cricket it was. Um, best of this World Cup thus far along with the Pakistan and South Africa match. Uh, this game was outstanding. Ebbs and flows. Uh, one team was ahead, the other team was behind, and then the other team will come back in front. It was just an amazing game of cricket. And that's what you want to see in a World Cup. You want to see great games like this that go down the wire. This literally did go down the wire uh, to the last over of the match. Um... We saw some outstanding performances in this game with bat and ball. You know, Travis Head century, along with Ravinder century. Uh, Jimmy Neesham batting towards the end, trying to get New Zealand over the line. It was just a wonderful game of cricket. Um, and you expect that between Australia and New Zealand. They always play good games. Um, Australia, you know, they're back in business in this World Cup. They've won four games on the trot. Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Netherlands, and now against New Zealand. Um... So for Australia, they're almost certain of a place in the semi-finals in the top four. After losing the first two games, um, it was going to be difficult for Australia to come back, but they've come back well. For New Zealand, back-to-back -back losses. They've lost against India, now Australia. And they've got a bigger test against South Africa in a few days' time. Um, can they bounce back and can they win that important game against South Africa? So for the, for the New Zealand team... They've got to bounce back after a couple of losses. But to finish off um, on this game, it was an outstanding game of cricket. 
and it's a, a outstanding game. As I as I said, it's a it's a game that had ebbs and flows, um, and it was just a, a wonderful game of cricket to watch. And uh, hopefully, all the fans enjoyed it. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode of the podcast, a match review of Australia and New Zealand in this ICC Cricket World Cup for 2023. Stay tuned for more ICC Cricket World Cup 2023 episodes and live streams on the Dibbly Dobbly podcast. If you're watching or listening to this episode of the podcast on our YouTube channel, let us know your thoughts on this match between Australia and New Zealand in the comments. We would love to hear what you have to say. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep safe and bye for now.